You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Khadija was a very honorable woman. She was the wealthiest woman in Mecca and in the Arabian Peninsula. She was known by her society to be a woman of nobility and a woman of honor and purity. Hence, one of her titles during the time of Jahiliyyah was At-Tahira. At-Tahira means the pure one. She was known by her society to be the pure one. Another title that she had was Sayyidat Quraysh, the lady of Quraysh. That's how respectful she was. We the followers of Ahlul Bayt, we believe that Khadija was a believer in God. She never bowed to any of the idols. She never worshipped any of the idols. There are some historians who have tried to claim that sometimes she would go to the idols and complain to them. For example, when some of her children died, one historian erroneously claims that after her children died, she went to the idols and she complained that, you know, my children died, why did this happen? This is nonsense, we don't accept that. The Prophet who was so sensitive about idol worshipping and he had such a firm stance against idol worshipping such that when the names of the idols would be mentioned, he would show his discontent, his displeasure with the idols. He's not going to marry a woman who worships the idols, speaks to the idols and complains to them. So we have a number of proofs and pieces of evidence that confirmed that Khadija was a woman of faith, she never worshipped any of the idols from day one. She believed in the one God and she was on Ad-Din Al-Hanifiyyah, the path of Prophet Ibrahim So Lady Khadija peace be upon her was a woman of high status, the messenger of God marries Khadija. Now there's one very important discussion in Islamic history and we see scholars fiercely debating this issue, contesting this issue. When the Messenger of God married Khadija was she a virgin or was she previously married? If you look at the Sunni schools of thought, Sunni historians and scholars, the majority of them believe that Khadija was not a virgin. She was married before the Messenger of God married her. In fact, she was married to two men before. She was married to a first man, he divorced her. She married a second person, he divorced her. And then the Messenger of God married her. Now these schools of thought, they believe the only wife of the Prophet who was not married when the Prophet married her was Aisha. And they negate this virtue from Khadija They don't recognize that she was a virgin when the Prophet married her. 
So who are those two men who supposedly married Khadija before the Messenger of God married her? They have mentioned two names. The first one is a man by the name of Atiq ibn Aeth. Atiq ibn Aeth. Supposedly, she was married to him before she married the Prophet. And his last name was Al-Makhzumi because he came from the tribe of Bani Makhzum. Who's the second one? Abu Hala, a man by the name of Abu Hala. He came from the tribe of Tamim, Bani Tamim. So his last name was At-Tamimi, Abu Hala At-Tamimi. These scholars claim that Khadija was married to these two men before the Messenger of God married her. Do we accept that or not? Upon our historical analysis of Khadija's marriage to these two men, is this something history confirms or is this something that we reject based on historical analysis and evidence? We don't accept these claims for a number of reasons. First of all, let's talk about Abu Hala, Abu Hala Tamimi, who supposedly married Khadija before the Messenger of God. When you look at those hadiths, narrations, that talk about Abu Hala, we see they're full of contradictions and discrepancies. For instance, in one hadith, Abu Hala's name is given to be Nabash ibn Zurara because Abu Hala is a nickname. So what was his real name? Nabash ibn Zurara. Another hadith says no, his name was Zurara ibn Nabash. So it switches it around. A third hadith says no, his name was actually Hind. Because the word Hind, the name Hind by the Arabs was a name that was given to both men and women. Yes, the name Hind. A fourth hadith says his name was Malik. A fifth hadith gives us another name. So which is it? Which is it? Is it Nabash ibn Zurara? Is it Zurara ibn Nabash? Is it Hind? Is it Malik? Which is it? What was his name? Abu Hala, what was his name? So when you have all this discrepancy, this in itself raises doubt whether this is all accurate or valid. So that's one clue that tells us we should doubt these claims. There's a discrepancy in these claims. That's number one. Number two, we have historical reports that tell us Khadija was virgin when the Holy Prophet married her. So these reports contradict those reports that say she was married to two men. For example, you have Al-Baladhri. Al-Baladhri is a Sunni scholar. Al-Baladhri was a scholar who was an expert in family trees, in lineages, in ancestry. He says, according to my research, Khadija was not married before the Messenger of God married her. So we have a testimony over here from Al-Baladhri, a Sunni scholar, who says that Khadija was not married. When the Prophet married her, she was a virgin. So that's clue number two. Number three, those who claim that Khadija was married before the Prophet, one of the arguments they use is that Khadija had children from those previous husbands. 
She had, for example, Ruqayya, she had Zainab. These were the daughters of Khadija from these previous men. So that's an indication that she was actually married. How do we respond to that? Upon close examination of whether these were Khadija's children or not, we come to the conclusion that they were not the children of Khadija. Historical analysis demonstrates that they were actually her nieces. She had a sister by the name of Hala. Ruqayya and Zainab were the daughters of Hala. They were not the daughters of Khadija And by the way, we've heard that the Prophet had other daughters than Fatima al-Zahra, right? He had Ruqayya for example, and Uthman married Ruqayya. One reason why they call him the Nurain, the man of two lights, is because he married two daughters from the Prophet. Two of the Prophet's daughters were married by Uthman. Now when we also examine that, we come to the conclusion that this is not accurate because these two were not the Prophet's daughters either. Some have claimed these are the Prophet's daughters, he had them when he married Khadija. Some say these daughters, they belonged to those two men. So we have all this discrepancy about Ruqayya, who is she? Zainab or even Umm Kulthum, who are they? Were they the Prophet's daughters? Were they Khadija's daughters? somebody else's daughters, there's a lot of historical confusion over here. So the correct analysis is that Ruqayya was not the Prophet's biological daughter. Uthman did marry her, but she was not the Prophet's biological daughter. Who was she? She was the adopted daughter of the Prophet. How did he come to adopt her? Historical accounts tell us that Khadija had a sister by the name of Hala. Hala was married to two men, the first husband, then he divorced her, then she married a second husband. Now, one of her ex-husbands, he had two daughters, two children, from another wife. He dies, that mother, that wife also dies, so these two children are orphaned. Who takes care of them? Hala takes care of them. Because after all, they are her stepdaughters because they belong to her husband but from another wife. So their mother was not Hala. Her husband had another wife. He had two children from that wife. So her ex-husband dies. His wife also dies. These two children are left without a guardian. So what does Hala do? Hala, she becomes their guardian, she takes care of them. But then Khadija was wealthy and compassionate, so she told her sister Hala, let me help you out. So after Hala takes care of them, Khadija becomes their guardian and she takes care of them. She starts spending on them. So they grow up, they grow up in the house of who? Khadija When Khadija marries the Prophet she takes these two children into her new house with the Prophet because she was their caretaker 
And so they grew up in the Prophet's house. Now in pre-Islamic Arabia, at the time of ignorance, whenever any children would grow up in your house, whether they were stepchildren, adopted children, the Arabs would consider them to be your own children. Hence historically they have referred to these two daughters as being the daughters of the Prophet. They were not his biological daughters, but why were they considered his daughters in some of these historical accounts? Because they grew up in his house after he married Khadija. After the Prophet married Khadija, he didn't tell Khadija, hey, now I'm married to you, get rid of these two kids. No, the Prophet is compassionate. He told her, not only should you continue caring for them, but I'll also help you. Let them grow up in my house. So Ruqayya, she grew up in the Prophet's house, but she was not his biological daughter. So Uthman, we don't believe that he married the biological daughters of the Prophet. He married two adopted daughters who grew up in the house of the Prophet. So even with Um Kulthum, she was not the Prophet's daughter. She was either the niece of Khadija, Hala's daughter, or someone else's daughter whom Hala took care of. Because we believe that Khadija did, by the way, have a number of children. She had a few you know, sons, she had some daughters, but they all died at a young age. The only surviving child of Khadija was Fatima al-Zahra All the other died at a young age. So Uthman did not marry them. He did not marry the biological daughters of the Prophet. The biological sons and daughters of the Prophet, they all died when they were young. Ibrahim, Al-Qasim, they died when they were young. Some of these other daughters of the Prophet, his biological daughters that he had from Khadija, they also died at a young age. The only surviving daughter who grew up to be of age and, and, and reached maturity was Fatima al-Zahra so we do believe that the Prophet had other biological daughters according to historical accounts, but they did not survive. They died, they died early in their childhood. And as for Uthman, he did not marry the biological daughters of the Prophet. He married, who? These adopted daughters of the Prophet. And one evidence, one proof for that is that when we look at the historical accounts, we see that historical accounts tell us Uthman married one of the daughters of the Prophet because he married supposedly two. One of them, she was not a virgin when Uthman married her. She was married to the son of Abu Lahab before Uthman. When Uthman married her, she was previously married to the son of Abu Lahab. Now when the Quran cursed Abu Lahab, she parted away from the son of Abu Lahab because Abu Lahab told his son, I no longer allow you to stay with this you know, adopted daughter of the Prophet. She has a connection to Muhammad, the Quran has cursed me, tabbat yada Abi Lahab bin Watab, so I want you to part with her. So we see that when Uthman married that daughter of the Prophet, she was actually older, she was not a child. She was previously married, we don't know her exact age, but she was an adult. Whereas all the historical indications 
point us to the fact that the daughters of the prophets, they were all born after the Ba'tha, after the Messenger of God received the revelation from Allah. That makes these children very young. It could not have been possible for the son of Abu Lahab to marry that daughter and then he divorces her and then Uthman comes along and he marries her. That's impossible. Another point over here is that historical accounts tell us that the elite of Quraysh, the powerful tribe in Mecca, the elites of the Meccans, they proposed to Khadija but she refused to marry them. Like who? What are some names? Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id. Uqba was a very powerful man in Mecca. He was a pagan but he came from an elite status. You have for example Abu Jahl, Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan, he was one of the elites of Mecca. Abu Sufyan was powerful. Abu Sufyan, Abu Jahl, they came forward and proposed to Khadija. She refused to marry them. Now if Khadija refused these elites of Mecca, you think she's going to marry two average men who came from an average tribe? Especially the guy, the Tamimi, he was a Bedouin, an uneducated, powerless Bedouin. Why would she marry him? On what basis? What was special about him? If she wanted to marry anyone before the Prophet, she had many, many better choices. People who had power, people who were respected in Meccan society, people who were elites. Why would she, you know, marry a villager, a Bedouin, whom we know nothing about? In addition to that, we have narrations that tell us when she married the Messenger of God, the women of Quraysh, they rebuked her, they mocked her and made fun of her. They told her, oh Khadija, you married a man who has no money, who grew up an orphan and he has no money. Why did you marry Muhammad? Because remember these women, they looked at the marriage from a materialistic aspect. Any woman wants to marry a rich man. So they told her, why did you marry Muhammad when he's so poor? He's not a rich man, why did you marry him? They rebuked her and history has documented this. Now if she supposedly married that Tamimi and that Makhzumi, how come the women of Quraysh did not rebuke her and tell her Khadija, why did you marry these below average men who are not well known? They come from very average tribes when you had very important figures in Mecca to marry. So if she were married to them really, we would have seen some historical evidence that the women of Mecca would have mocked her and rebuked her. But that does not exist, which is an indication she was not previously married. If she were married to these two men, the women of Mecca would have objected to her. They would have rebuked her. Because the Tamimi and the Makhzumi, they were not important individuals. So that's another indication that she was not married before the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. Ibn Abi Mu'id, Abu Jah and Abu Sufyan, a number of, of them did propose to her, the history 
has documented these, name, these names. Now some say that how is it possible for Khadija to live for 40 years as a single woman when she was so wealthy and so beautiful, it's not possible. Why would she stay unmarried for such a long time? First of all, yes, we'll get to that. First of all, we examined before she was not 40 when she married the Prophet. What was her correct age? 25 or 28, somewhere between 25 and 28. So it's not like she waited 40 years to be married. No, she was 25, 28 and that's pretty normal. Many women marry at the age of 25. Is that something highly unusual? No, that's not highly unusual. Something very normal. Yes, 40 is unusual. If a woman waits until she's 40, that is kind of unusual in most societies. But age 25, that's not unusual. There's nothing unusual, abnormal about that. So that's number one. Number two, Khadija was financially independent. She had a lot of money that she inherited from her father. Now in Arabian society, the average woman did not really own anything. She was fully dependent on her husband, on her father, on her brothers. So one reason why she would get married at an early age is to have a husband spend on her because she was not independent. Khadija did not need anyone to spend on her because she had her own wealth, she had her own money. So there's nothing that compelled her to get married. Financially, she had no incentive to get married because she was already well off. Many women in those societies, they would be compelled to get married because of their financial dependence on men. But if you're financially independent, and you wait for 25 years, what's the harm? There's nothing that would compel her to get married. So that's number two. Number three, Khadija was not an average woman. She was waiting for the right man. Abu Sufyan came forward. She did not like him because he did not have the proper akhlaq, the proper religion. Abu Jahl came forward. Uqba came forward. Many of many men came forward, but she refused because she was looking for a man of principle. And last time we examined how she fell in love with the akhlaq, the moral character of the Prophet, when he did business with her. When Maysara, her servant, came and told her the honesty that he saw in the Prophet. When he saw the signs of prophethood in him, these are all points that made her interested in the Prophet. So when she found the appropriate man, then she proposed and she accepted accepted to marry the Prophet. Otherwise there were many elites in Mecca, she was not interested in them. And remember she was a woman who worshipped God, so obviously she would not be interested in marrying a man who would worship the idols. So we don't find anything unusual about that, for her to wait 25 or 27 years, or 28 years. Khadija was not married before the Messenger of God, according to the correct analysis. But there was a political reason, why they fabricated those narrations, you know, to show that some other wives were the special ones and not Khadija. Khadija was, you know, this old woman who died. We actually have a hadith and this hadith states that once Khadija was mentioned, Fatima al-Zahra was also there, Aisha would always injure 
Fatima al-Zahra salam by speaking negatively about Khadija. Once the Prophet mentioned Khadija, Aisha cut him off. This is not just our sources, but all Muslim sources. She cut him off and she said, why do you keep remembering an old hag who died? That's what she said. An old woman who died. Why do you keep remembering her? The Prophet became furious, his face became red. He told her, Aisha, this is the last time you mention Khadija negatively. The last time. She was the best wife. When everyone denied me and fought me, she gave me and she stood by my side. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala denied all of you wives the privilege of having children from me except Khadija So be quiet and stop mentioning Khadija negatively. But there were these historical efforts to reduce from the status of Khadija alayhi salam. 